I'm going to trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sunshine's ever bright. I'll need no heavy garments, I'll just wrap my robe around. When I receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. There we go. I hope that I was getting audio there. Let me see. Been plagued with technical difficulties over the past few days. Alright, it would seem that I have audio now, so let's just start over and start with Matthew chapter 19. Verse 1. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read... <coughs> excuse me. Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 6, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, 
commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Alright, so there's two sections of teaching here. The first of which covers the uh, the teaching about divorce. Uh, of course, the underlying uh, aspect and the underlying um, teaching around divorce is, of course, adultery uh, <clears throat> and sexual immorality. But ultimately, uh, Jesus speaks out against uh, divorce, and, and really God has spoken out against divorce uh, from the beginning, because God instituted marriage in Genesis chapter 2. And Jesus here is now sanctioning marriage in his teaching in Matthew 19, 1 through 9. Now, I'm married, happily married, been married for... Ooh, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have gone down that path. <laughs> what is it? It's 2018, so this year will be 12 years. So my wife and I have been married 11 years, going on 12 years. And when we got married, of course, we said our vows, and we did so in a church building. We did so in front of family and friends. And, and pretty much any wedding you go to today carries with it the vows of, uh, you know, to have and to hold from this day forward in sickness and in health and uh, rich or poor, for better, for worse, all of those things. Uh, we will be married so long as we both shall live is typically how those vows end. Unfortunately, though, uh, a lot of people today and a lot of uh, the, the culture really in the world suggest that that last part is conditional. You know, until the, that we shall be together uh, as long as we both shall live uh, is fluid. Fluid seems to be the term of culture today. Everything's fluid from, uh, from our genders to uh, our, our, our marriage vows. And that's completely not true. And it goes against the... Uh, the Word of God, um, ultimately. See, God instituted marriage between a man and a woman. Jesus says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Notice there's no fluidity there. <laughs> there's no God made them male and kind of female? Or, or, or maybe male or a mixture of both? No, he made them male and female. Just like we read in the previous teaching of Jesus, there are two paths. Just like that, there are two genders. There's no fluidity there. But, Jesus uses this teaching, of course, to indicate that marriage is between a man and a woman. No fluidity there either. Between a man and a woman. And a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Okay. Now, the indication there that Jesus is speaking of, becoming one flesh, is of course the sexual relationship between a husband and a wife. And it's that sexual relationship that God has created in order for procreation to exist, but also to create and maintain the bond of marriage. Uh, if, it, if you've ever talked to anybody who um, perhaps had sex outside of marriage, and the uh, the emotional toll that was taken once that bond was broken, perhaps either through cheating or through just a breakup, uh, there is always this, this 
strong sense of connection because there was sex involved. And that's why God institutes marriage and says that sex is intended only for marriage. Any sex outside of marriage is considered fornication, and it is not truly sex in the true sense of the term sex as God instituted it. Um, and so um, God, uh, Jesus says, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. The reason why Jesus uses this picture and this, this analogy of uh, two becoming one flesh is because if you've ever torn your flesh or even just cut your flesh, you understand the pain that is associated with that. And when two become one flesh through marriage and man separates them, it is a ripping apart of the flesh. And there is pain that is involved with it. So, a couple of thoughts uh, on marriage here. First of which uh, is that a successful marriage requires, of course, commitment, requires love, requires faithfulness, patience, humility, trust, and forgiveness. All of those things are important to a marriage relationship, but they're also things that are important to the Christian life as well. Uh, secondly, a, a successful marriage results in joy and happiness and peace and contentment and companionship and growth both individually and as a couple. I can say vehemently that my wife and I have grown a lot in our marriage since being married. After all, we were mere babies, really, when we got married. My wife was 19, I was 20, and we were immature. I was extremely immature, and some would argue still kind of am. But we've grown a whole lot uh, in our marriage. Uh, third, a successful marriage is permanent. Period. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. For as long as we both shall live. You see, Hollywood and culture tries to portray marriage as this old-fashioned, out-of-date institution that just doesn't really have a place in our culture anymore, or it doesn't fit with the culture that we live in today. Um, you know, Hollywood and culture, uh, mainly Hollywood, um, portrays this marriage relationship as um, disposable. That it's something that could just go away. And that's okay. You know, that's, that's okay. That's what, that's what culture says. You know, it's okay. You'll find somewhere else. And it all, it all boils around this false idea of happiness. You see, man can never find true happiness in the world. Period. True happiness is only found in Christ. Because when a marriage is centered around Christ, when a marriage is centered around the things that are, it's supposed to be centered around, as a Christian household, a sanctified, or a sanct, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, uh, a, a marriage relationship that is set up and, and created by God and is focused around God, then true happiness in that marriage can be found because you're not focused on yourself. And our culture today suggests and encourages a selfish approach to relationships, whether it's dating or whether it's marriage. But those relationships should never be about you. It should never be about your partner, necessarily. But it should be about glorifying God and obeying God uh, in your marriage. Um, and so that, again, kind of ties into what Jesus says, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. 
God, and Jesus here, is setting forth God's decree of the permanence of marriage. And we need to understand that. Um, and the reason why it's important to understand that is because the next section here, Jesus talks about children. We'll get to that in a moment. But before that, the disciples' question here about um, the teaching, or the disciples saying, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. Jesus' next statement is basically saying, you're absolutely right. It is better not to marry. And in fact, Paul encourages that too and suggests that as well. But that's not for everyone. And that's what, Paul, or that's what Jesus says here, and that's also what Paul says. That's not something that everyone can receive. Not everyone can receive those saying this saying, but those to whom it is given. And then he gives examples of people who are doing that for the sake of the kingdom. And so it is possible, and if it is possible for one to control themselves and to avoid the temptations of the world uh, and the, the desires of the flesh and stay unmarried, uh, for the sake of the kingdom, that that is encouraged by Christ, and it's not discouraged in any way. Um, but ultimately, as Paul points out later on in, in uh, uh, one of the Corinthian letters, I'm sorry, blinking, um, that the uh, the institution of marriage serves the purpose to uh, help a man and a woman avoid those sexual sins and sexual temptations because they have that marriage relationship in which those things can be taken care of, the conjugal duties, if you will, of, of marriage. All right, so the next section here, as I mentioned, Jesus, uh, again, talks about the children. It says, The children were brought to him that, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. Uh, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. So, why is this an important thing to bring out here? Because, well, Jesus was just talking about divorce. Uh, and in Malachi, uh, at the end of Malachi, we learn that God hates divorce. And in fact, he says that divorce uh, causes, it's a, it's a violent action. Uh, because it causes pain uh, and violence amongst not just the partners involved uh, in the divorce, but also their children. Uh, and as Jesus says here, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, uh, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. You know, divorce carries with it a heavy burden and a heavy pain on children as well. Um, and, you know, there are numerous studies out there that I could point to and, and show and graph and everything of, of just how impactful divorce is on children. You know, children who come from divorced families are, are at a much higher risk of divorce themselves uh, or relationship commitment issues later in life because of, of, of what they experienced with their parents. Um, and so that's why, again, it's important for a man and a wife to remain married. God does not desire for anyone to divorce. And the only excuse that Jesus provides uh, for that is sexual immorality. Uh, but even in those cases, just as God desires no one to perish but for all to come to repentance, for all to come to reconciliation, God desires the same thing for married couples, even if sexual immorality uh, is what caused the divorce or, or caused the relationship strife. God desires for that relationship to be mended uh, because it is a permanent thing. Um, and so there's, an, of course, an important teaching there. Lastly, here on the children's section, for such or for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven, the little children. 
Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven that I'm bringing, that is going to be established uh, upon my resurrection, upon my ascension, when the, when the kingdom of heaven comes down and, and is set up here on earth, it is for these children. For these children and their children's children and going forward. The kingdom that Jesus has come to establish is for them. That means for us as well. Um, and at the same time, again, going back to previous teachings that Jesus had related to children uh, in the kingdom of heaven, and that no one should ever hinder a child from learning the truth and coming to a knowledge of the truth uh, that is found in the Bible. Now, in the, last, the last section here of chapter 19, the rich young man. This is a very important teaching here, so I'm going to read through this. I'm going to give a couple thoughts, but ultimately for this one, I want you to share your thoughts in the comments section about what you find interesting about this section of Scripture, what speaks to you, how you think it applies to your life, um, and uh, put that down in the comment section. Feel free to write a book if you want. If you have questions, I'm happy to answer those too. Verse 16, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. There you go. He said to him, Well, which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. That last verse, by the way, does not, uh, does not um, apply to potluck lines. Uh, while I would strongly urge uh, Nick, who is always the first in the potluck line here, um, to go last. I'm just kidding. Um, so, anyways, we have uh, obviously a very important teaching here from Christ. We have, uh, you know, we have uh, this concept or this this idea that I think has been twisted throughout the years about the rich not being able to go to heaven. God is not saying that one cannot be wealthy, but it's what you do with the wealth and how you feel about that wealth uh, that um, sticks to the situation. Um, you know. Man cannot serve both God and mammon. Man cannot serve two masters. And so if your end goal in, in, in your career or, or life is to be rich, to have a lot of money, uh, if that's your goal, rather than going to heaven and serving others and, and being a light in the world, 
um, then your priorities are out of place. So that's kind of the, the overarching um, theme to this. Um, but also in this is another teaching that is very similar to what we've talked about in the past, about the two paths, about um, those who will get into the kingdom of heaven and those who will not. Um, you know, this kind of, I think, plays into um, what Jesus says, you know, there will be some on that day that say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not do these things in your name, these marvelous things in your name? And Jesus said, I never knew you. And while this man, this young man, says that I've, I've kept all these commandments, what else, what else do I need? Well, Jesus, knowing the heart of the man that was there, knows that wealth holds a very big part of his heart. And so Jesus speaks to that. Are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to give up everything to follow him? So we'll leave that there. I want to know your thoughts. What do you think about this teaching of Jesus? Uh, any part of Matthew 19, not just uh, this last section here with the rich young ruler, but what do you think about what Jesus says about divorce and, and the children? Uh, we want to hear your thoughts, and of course we want to have a conversation about that, and you can do so in the comment section down below. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have or, uh, or, or study further uh, either way. Uh, if you'd like to catch up on previous lessons and, and readings and studies that we've done so far, of course, we've read now 19 chapters in the book of Matthew. You can find those uh, logged here on our Facebook page, as well as previous sermons. You can also go to our website here, loveland.church, and you can check out uh, all of the previous lessons from this, previous lessons in our sermon series, but you can also find information about our uh, church family that meets here in Loveland Heights. Uh, and of course, if you have any questions about any of that, about who we are, uh, what we believe, etc., we invite you to come visit with us. And of course, we invite you to study with us as well. Of course, if you have any questions that we can answer directly, you can always email me, minister at loveland.church. You can also email uh, our info uh, address, which is info at loveland.church. Ultimately, we want to get to know you. We want you to get to know the Word of God and ultimately join in the kingdom of heaven. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to your questions and your comments in the comment section below. And again, please don't forget to share this video and get the Word of God out there on Facebook. Thank you for your time. Have a blessed day, and I hope to see you all tomorrow. Bright and fair, Christ left to prepare a mansion for His children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine.